This is the Oakham Strength Podcast, episode 18, with Austin Yoakum and Greg Ebosher. Sometimes when I consider what tremendous consequences come from little things, I am tempted to think there are no little things. There are no little things. There are no little things. And with that, we begin our final episode on the seven habits of highly effective people. It was an eight-week total series of events, wasn't it? Yeah. That's crazy. This is this is a, a big, big growth from chapter one the, yeah. to have it seven now. <laughs> yeah. Big growth. I think uh, Stephen Covey would be happy that we covered his book and how we definitely have improved with each chapter and, and our coverage of it. Yeah. And it's something I've actually like really enjoyed this because we're actually just able to talk and chat yeah. and not have like a... The wild factor of a guest and responding right. to that, I think I think we are, we've been crushing this book. Yeah, we have, and I think we're also getting really comfortable with reviewing books. I think our guest podcast, we definitely still need some work on. But, yeah, but I think with reviewing books, we're getting pretty good. We're good. We're good. We're there. <laughs> yeah. Back to the quote, though. This is this is one of my favorite quotes ever. Uh, I think it's something that really opened up my eyes is just realizing like. There's no big things, there's no little things. Like I talked to the guys in meditation about it today. It's, like it all it all adds up. Like there's no big decision you make in life. Like it's millions of decisions that have added up to those points and it led to where you are now. So the really there's nothing too big, nothing too small. All those little things are gonna pile up to either lead you down the path of heaven or like lead you down that path of hell or chaos or or, you know, however you wanna look at it. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too small. I was uh, was listening to a podcast again today. I was sitting at my desk and, you know, it was Monday after being, uh, coming off just an insane weekend. Beef like, weekend. Yeah. Just so much fun. I mean, one of the most fun weekends I've had in a long time. And I was kind of feeling a little depressed, a little down, a little sorry for myself. And um, I was listening to a podcast and the same thing came up. It's like, there's no action that's too small that you can take to make the world a better place because like what's the alternative mm-hmm. if you're just gonna sit there and not do shit and not care like you're making the world worse no matter in what capacity or how meaningful or how small the task you know? yeah so you're absolutely right and that was that was jordan peterson i uh, just listened to his um podcast too reviewed it today and he was saying aim for the lowest hurdle yeah and rogan was like what are you talking about aim for the lowest hurdle like he's like all about like shooting for that high hurdle and he's like no aim for the lowest like take that first step Mm -hmm. and his whole thing is like if you give the people this huge hurdle nobody ever does it yeah you know like and and even if you get to get that huge hurdle and you eventually hurdle it it was after thousands of little hurdles and little steps to get there so he's like aim at that first hurdle get over it yeah make the world a better place make yourself a better person take that next step and then there's yeah. going to be another hurdle right there. Exactly. It's crazy how like how much just like little little things like that make your life, your daily existence like so much better. Like that's literally the difference between living a good life and a and a great and a great life. Like, yeah. It's it's doing those little tiny things with intent and focus, and um, for for lack of a better term, like seeking the kingdom of God and all things like that's what that is what's going to make your life all the all the better in every single little action that you do well it's, it's not even from good to great it's from shit to suck yeah. you know like that from that when you're at that bottom of that bottle you're in that chaos like right. it's it's not it's not it's not a big it's it's not weird that every almost every successful person tells you to make your bed you know and it's almost if you break down their message to why they tell you to make your bed in the morning it's always the same thing it, it gives you control over your life and it's something you want in the morning mm-hmm. you know those are two things it's something so small but it's something that can take a person that is totally stuck in who they are and just feeling trapped and they gain control of their life they get they they, they did one thing in their day that they had control over, that somebody else wasn't running for them. And that's how momentum gets started. Mm-hmm. That's how you make that change. That's how you become that better person. Right, for sure. Like, I think a lot of people in our society don't have control of their own life because I think the way that we've set up the world, like people go to work for corporations that control their life. Um, people fall into bad habits, just addicted to sugar that controls their life, addicted to television. Um, and yeah, just something as simple as making your bed. And it's not simple but something as seemingly simple as making your bed can make all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to the book. So he's telling a story here 
Um, habit seven is, we should probably get to that, is sharpen the saw. Yeah, shoot. So the whole thing of habit seven is taking all the habits that we've covered previously, and now you actually have to do it. This whole chapter is about just because you know this stuff, like now you actually have to do it. You have to take the time and you have to take those steps forward to sharpen your own saw and sharpen yourself. So the story here is you walk up on a person cutting down a tree in the forest and you ask him, what are you doing? The person replies, can't you see? He replies impatiently, I'm sawing down this tree. You tell him, you look exhausted. How long have you been out here? The guy replies, over five hours and I'm beat. This is hard work. You ask him, well, why don't you just take a break for a few minutes and sharpen that saw? I'm sure it would go a lot faster. He replies, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I'm too busy sawing. And I think this is, I mean, this is pretty direct in a lot of people's lives. It's like they're never willing to take that one step back to take those two steps forward because they're doing the busy work. They're doing things that they think are important or pushing them forward. But when in reality, if they just took that step back and realized like, you have time to do this. You'll ne- and uh, he covers later in this chapter is like, you'll never get a greater investment than sharpening your own saw. Mm-hmm. So rather than just doing these other things that you think are pushing you forward, take that step back and build yourself up. We talk about all the time is building that self foundation before you try and do other things. And you'll never have a greater return on your life than doing that. For sure. Um, this quote is just kind of adding my dad and myself <laughs> and probably like the whole Evosher side of the family because it's just you know, we never take a step back and look at the situation and see how we can improve it. So it's definitely um, something that I continually need to remind myself. You got to take steps back to go forward. And that's just the way things have got to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. And now we're going back to the book. um, And this is kind of riding off that is he says the single, this is the single most important. This is a single most powerful investment we can ever make in life investment in ourselves. And the only in the only instrument we have with which to deal with life and to, to contribute to life. We are the instruments of our own performance and to be effective, we need to recognize the importance of taking time to regularly sharpen the saw in all four ways. Mm-hmm. So talking about you're the only player in your life, you're the only one making these decisions, you're the only, only one that can better it basically. And if you're not taking the time to better yourself, you're never gonna better your life. Yeah, um, absolutely. And what the four dimensions that we're speaking on yeah, so we're going to cover them through this chapter, but his four dimensions that he breaks it down is physical, mental, mental, spiritual, and emotional slash social. Right. And we're, we're, going to, we're going to go over all four of these, but it's kind of similar with how I break down, like how I train an athlete because, and he covers again in this book is working one of these ways isn't going to improve your life. Like maybe, maybe it gives you a little bit, but if you really want to become the best version of yourself, if you're maxing out, let's say the physical side, so you have this meathead that's maxing out physical side, he can squat a ton of weight, but he's never t- spending any time in that mental, the spiritual, or this social side. He's never going to become the full potential of himself. He's always going to feel like he could be more. Right. And another point I love in this book and what he feels like is, you know, when you can be more like you have that feeling inside, like mm-hmm. he talks about it that's a driving factor and there's a reason that feeling is there and you need to fulfill that and you need to pursue it. It's not yeah. just a random feeling. Dude, you know this, I was listening to Jordan Pearson talk about this again today. Like every person on the earth knows when they're not living up to their potential yep. and you know exactly where you're falling short. Mm-hmm. Like you know, in your own head. And if you don't think, you know, just like ask yourself, seriously, ask yourself, if you want to know and you'll be able to figure it out. And so well, that's his head. That's his point about basically being blind for yeah. a lot of people is safer than yeah. knowing the truth because Dude. it hurts. And so I did that today. I was saying at work and I didn't have anything to do. And I asked myself and I wrote out, I said like, what are the things I'm doing wrong in my own life? And it took me 15 minutes. And, um, yeah, it's definitely an exercise I'd suggest everyone does. Yeah. And I, I, I do it a lot. And, it, like you said, when you, it doesn't take that long. And you, when you write it down, you know, like yeah. it, it's a pretty straight direction. Like this is your roadblock in your life. <laughs> and I, for me, it helps me a lot because you see the roadblock and you're like, you're kind of an idiot. You can solve that right away. And rather, rather than spending 10 years of habit. Cause I think a lot of people, oh, yeah. they turn a blind eye to that and that roadblock just closes that path for them for 10 years. Yeah. And then they wonder why they can't do things, you know, right, right. it just, it sucks. It sucks realizing that you have that fault. You have that weakness. But now let you see it there. Let's attack right. it. Let's get better at it. Exactly. And like when if you don't hide it in the dark like that, then like we like we always talk about like you address it right away and up front, and it's not that big, and it's something you can kind of handle like right now. 
as I was thinking about this as well, like I'm, I was listening to an audio book, um, talking a lot about money and how to handle money and the mm-hmm. proper ways to use money and all that. And I, I'm, I'll be quite honest. I'm not really quite as disciplined as I should be with that. Um, but the book was kind of addressed to like 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old, 60 year olds. And like, I'm 23 with no kids and hardly any liabilities. So like, I got a lot of room to time and time to grow. Like, thank God for that, you know? Like, so, but if I wouldn't, if I'm not addressing it now, like, who knows what the hell I'll find myself in 10 mm-hmm. years down the road, you know? Something I want to, <laughs> I think I might be branching off a little bit here, but this is something that kind of irked me today is I posted a, a blog that had a swear word in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I had somebody message saying, hey, dude, like, this is from the like bottom of my heart, like, you shouldn't be posting stuff with this strong language. And I was like totally game to like talk to him like and discuss with him like, why do you think that? And I listed like all these people as like Jordan Peterson, like Rogan, he's like, and basically my whole thing was like real sales, like be who you are um, and stop trying to be this mold. And this is a person that's been always stuck in a mold in their entire life. And I was trying to like talk to him, I was like, this is how I see it. Like, I'm not trying to be this pretty person trying to like climb that corporate ladder. Like I want to be the best in the world and like be real and like be this type of person. And that's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was, yeah, but they didn't start that way. He's like, they that's started. Simple. And I was like, first of all, they did. Yeah. Um, and one of the person I brought up was Louis Simmons. And I was like, trust me, Louis Simmons <laughs> yeah, started dude. that way. Louis. But my <laughs> other point is if they didn't start that way and they changed to become who they are now, they changed for a reason. Like these are the most successful people on the planet. And it just irks me that he was like, they didn't start that way. So you shouldn't start that way. That type of thing. I was like, dude, like there's so many lessons out there. Like they talk all the time about just basically their faults of being fake at the start, trying to be this person. And what made them take that jump is when they stopped trying to be something. Be stopped trying to fit a mold. Yeah. Like you did, you don't make, you don't become the best version of yourself. You don't become something great by idling somebody else. When you're like idling somebody, when you're trying to be somebody and trying to fit a mold, yeah. all you can become is fill that mold. You can yeah. never be something bigger. Right. And that was, I don't know why I, you, your conversation just irked that in me. I was like, man, dude, like just like start now. Like yeah. you, there's so many lessons. There's so many people to follow out there. Start now with all this. Stop trying to like make it happen when you're 30 or 40. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Man, that's really tough. I want to know who it was. But, yeah. Well, we'll talk after. Yeah, we'll talk after. <laughs> All right, back to the book. And this is this is actually kind of a humorous part for me. Um, but we're starting with the physical component of all four of these um, characteristics. And some of the stuff in here is kind of humorous. Is It was very outdated knowledge of the physical realm. Um, and this is a strength coach reading, and I kind of giggled. But he has some good points in here. And what we have in the book is the essence of renewing the physical dimension is to sharpen the saw, to exercise our bodies on a regular basis in a way that will preserve and enhance our capacity to work and adapt and enjoy. And we need to be wise in developing an exercise program. There's a tendency, especially if you haven't been exercising at all, to overdo, and that you can create unnecessary pain, injury, and even permanent damage. It's best to start slowly. And two things I want to take from here is his biggest thing is like, working on a regular basis so being consistent with whatever you do not trying to just one day you're going to run a marathon and then the next three weeks you don't do anything so consistent 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 it doesn't matter what it is as long as you have belief and it's consistent and then two there is being smart with your exercise program you know like like you you have a story about your dad that you want to talk about but not just throwing yourself under a bar and like almost, almost like ego lifting a little bit is just I would much rather consistent progress and taking those small steps forward and becoming a better person slowly at a time than trying to do it all at once because that's never going to work. Oh, no. You're so right. I feel like I have so many examples. Like when I came back from my injury in college, like I I was ego lifting. I wanted to get right back to where I was before. And it took me, I mean, it's taken me like three years now to Mm -hmm. get back to my strength levels when I was a freshman. And just because I never took a step back and set up and took a proper path and practiced proper form and mobility and all that. But, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. Like, like I was telling you with my dad, like, he doesn't work out a lot. And then when he does, he just comes into the gym and he's a hardworking guy. He just goes way too hard and he put, takes himself out for the next, like, three weeks. Yep. You know, and, and those are, those are three weeks. Other people are working in better than themselves exactly. that he's recovering, you know, exactly. and taking a step forward. Another point I really want to talk about in this is 
I glossed over it, but it was like doing this to enhance your capacity to work and adapt and enjoy. Mm. So this is, this is something I want to talk about is you don't have to be absolutely in love with the weight room, absolutely in love with exercise, absolutely in love with something. I think you should find a passion in the fitness realm because otherwise it's going to be really tough to continue on. Mm -hmm. But the reason you're doing this is not to become a professional athlete for most people. The reason you're doing this is not to become a professional bodybuilder, that type of thing. You're doing it to enhance other aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important is trying to open up those communication realms to people that aren't in this world and bring them into it and realize like, our goal when you, like, your goal shouldn't be to be a professional athlete and you don't have to do those things. Your goal is to get better in here so it enhances other aspects of your life. And I think that goes back to your dad's thing is like, what do those 90 squats do? They fuck him up for the rest of the three weeks, you know, and then that's not enhancing the rest of his life. You know, like, you can't walk upstairs. That's not enhancing the rest of your life. So spending the time to realize, like, you're not a professional athlete. You're not that person. Let's focus on your goals and what we want to accomplish and go forward from there. Uh Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was comical. It's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> You're just, you just immobilized yourself for the next, like, two, two weeks. And you're just done for. And he was, like, walking up. This, it was so funny, man. And he's just complaining and seeing him mope around the house. He's like, come on. Like, come on. Don't. Uh, we play the long game. We're not playing the, the, the two-day game. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. Back to the book. And now we're going to cover, go into the spiritual dimension, the second dimension that he talks about. The spiritual, spiritual dimension is your core, your center, your commitment to your value systems. It's a very private area of your life and a supremely important one. It draws upon the sources that inspire and uplift you and tie you to the timeless truths of all humanity. And people do it very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is something that I've been passionate about is like, I, you, you, you don't have to be religious you know like you don't have to be pushing that on the people but you need to have some sort of spirit everybody has it some sort of spiritual core within them what gets you there is different for everybody for some people it's meditation for some people that are religious it's prayer Mm -hmm. it's uh one of the quotes i love is just like finding your church finding that community finding those people that believe in what you believe in and then having that spiritual connection with other people i think that's so important Mm -hmm. one of the things is jordan peterson we talked about is Every, everybody's a worshiper of something, like whether you like to know it or not, just figuring out what you worship and then connecting with those people and having that spiritual connection, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's such a, in our modern day and age too, people seem to be falling away from religion ever more and more. Um, and like I've spoken about before, like the book Tribe by Sebastian Younger, he talks about how people find their greatest meaning in life and struggle with community mm-hmm. and so i think that's why gyms have become such a popular kind of for back lack of a better word like church for people because they uh they haven't you're struggling with the community towards a common goal and it's a struggle it's absolutely a struggle it's oh right. yeah and it's 100 percent people want to be a part of community not yeah. they like a lot of people like lifting and that type of thing, but you can do that by yourself. The reason yeah. people come to you is they want to be a part of a community. Mm-hmm. It is, there's no other reason for really any of it. Is they want something greater than what they can have by themselves. Exactly, and being part of a being part of a strength community it really, I mean, it really allows you to push yourself way harder. Like if you have, I mean, training on your own is one thing. I, I've been training on my own for about like probably a year now, and it's just not as good. You know, like yeah, it's not as fun. Don't push, don't push as much weight. Um, don't work as hard. Like you know, when you have community to push you, it makes all the difference. And it, it just drives you to that next level. Right, right, yeah. All right, back to the book. And this is a this is a story that I really liked. Is uh, a guy went to a doctor, um, and he's basically like, I'm feeling down, feeling sick all the time. Like I feel like I have no energy. And the doctor checks him out. There's no physical like illness and he tells he hands the dude four um four postcards for um things and he's like open these in order open one every three hours go to a beach sit there open them do the thing uh so the first one the guy sits there first one he opens up is it all it says is listen on this card um and the guy goes what the fuck i paid this doctor a bunch of money and he, he's giving me a thing that says listen and he can't open the next one for three hours and he just sits there and listens and he says when he's listening for these three hours, he notices the things that he didn't notice before. And he notices the small things in his life that he's been ignoring. 
and he's just in the moment and realizing it. And he talks about how that was the first time that's ever happened. After the three hours come up, he's able to open up the second postcard. And the second postcard says, reach back. And again, the guy's like, all right, the listen won't work, but this is like, I paid this guy money and he's giving me stupid postcards that say something like this. And he thinks reach back and it's talking about reaching back in your past and seeing the problems that were there, Mm -hmm. seeing the issues that you have and really diving into why those issues are there. Mm -hmm. And you have to spend the next three hours diving into those issues. And he talks about how that just lifted a weight off of himself, realizing these are what's holding me back. Almost like going back to those roadblocks is like giving that time. Does he also go through the good stuff too? And he does. Yeah. But his, um, the big thing this guy's struggling with is the roadblocks in his life that he never really took. Uh, he never, he never spent the time to attack. Mm-hmm. And it, I think listening is the prelude to that because if you don't listen and you don't know those small things in your life, you can't really look back on the big things in your life. Mm-hmm. So after the three hours are up, he gets his third card that he's able to open up and it says, examine your motives. And this is something that kind of made the guy mad and there's a good quote in here. Um, he considered his motives deeply. He thought about the past happiness, and at last the answer came to him. I saw that if one motives are wrong, nothing can be right. It makes no difference whether you're a mailman, a hairdresser, an insurance salesman, a housewife, whatever. As long as you are serving others, you do the job well. When you're concerned only with helping yourself, you do it less well. Mm. And that was something that was big for him. Is he was talking about how he was stuck in this rut because he was trying to make money. He was trying to do his own thing. Um, and we'll, we'll cover it later, but basically like, that indebtedness to other people and like you owe other people services. And that's basically your rent for being on this earth um, is giving other people stuff, mm-hmm. you know, giving other people your talents this is another big thing that I talk to a lot of people about. I'm very passionate about is like you were given talents in this world to like give back to the world. Like you, you were born with these talents. You were born with these things that within you, you, you dove into to like grow and don't waste them, you know, like Marcus was given abilities with Marcus is behind a camera right now. He's killing it over here, but he was given abilities with a camera, you know, like artistic abilities that you and I don't have, you know, and what, what's he doing with them? He's, he's giving it back to the world. He's, he's putting that content out there, you know, and that this, one of the biggest things to me is like, don't waste your freaking talents. Everybody has them. Like every single one of you listening, you have a talent, you know, you have a talent, develop that talent, stop wasting that talent and give it back to other people. Like I said, it's not yours to keep. Yeah. I love everything you just said there. Um, if I could touch on one other thing, like from this book again that I was reading, it's by a million, like multimillionaire. And the, the number one thing he says, like the number one theme throughout the whole book, he said, like, if you want to get anything in life, if you want to get anything at all, like whether it be money, um, wife, kids, family, friends, car, anything, you must give first, mm-hmm. no matter what. And if you give, you will receive. Well, that that's that's even going deeper into the business realm. That's whole. That's Gary Vee's whole business model right. is like you are giving, so other people give to you. You know, exactly. and basically never making it a take business. You're yeah. providing them value; they're providing you value, and that's how a business works. That's how a business lasts. That's how you make that jump. Exactly. Is when you're trying to sell people stuff. It's when you're trying to take from people without giving to them. That's when that crashes. That's when you see the businesses struggle because. Yeah. They're not doing it for the right reason, and they're not putting their talents out into the world. No doubt about it. The last card this guy gets after three hours of examining these issues, examining his motives, listening, he gets his final card, and all it says is, write your worries in the sand. And this is one that he he didn't spend three hours on. He's like, he knew it right away. He He drew his worries in the sand, and he knew they would be washed away. And then he walked away and he talked about how he's like basically that huge weight lifted off of himself because he knows his worries are gone because he attacked his past. And that was kind of like the final point of all of it is write your worries in the sand. Realize like there's so much, there's so many like problems in the world. Like just attack the one at hand, right in the sand, attack it. It's done with, mm-hmm. go to the next one. Like it's nothing to weigh you down. It's no baggage on you. Yeah, I love that. I love the symbolism of it. Writing your worries in the sand because you know it's just going to fade away. Like it's, it's pretty impactful. Be pretty powerful to do to kind of see the waves, get rid of everything, and you know I don't really know how to articulate it, but it's really cool. Really cool story. All right, back to the book. The last part of the spiritual is a couple good quotes here. It says, "The idea is that when we take time to draw on the leadership centers of our lives, what all life is ultimately all about, it spreads like an umbrella over everything else. It renews us. It refreshes us." 
particularly if we recommit to it. The greatest battles of our life are fought out daily in the silent chambers of our soul. If you win the battles here, if you settle the issues that inwardly conflict you, you feel a sense of peace, a sense of knowing about what you are. Oh, dude, I'm super passionate about that line. Like, winning the inner battles within your soul mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what life is. And another point I love about this, too, is, like, taking the time to do it. You're not just going to win those battles just walking through life. Again, that's, like, one of the most yep. past, like, the biggest impact I think I have on these guys is that 10 minutes at the very end of a, a lift is when we meditate. Because it, it's that they'll work out by themselves. They'll do all that by themselves. There are very few people in the world that will meditate by themselves, that will give themselves time to really build that emotional and mental barrier, something to grow off of. There's very few people that will do that by themselves. And I think it's very powerful. It's, it's, I think it's the strongest 10 minutes of your day of being able to reset yourself and like actually go forward from there. Mm-hmm. And you have something built up now. You have that spiritual and that mental side built up within you so you can call upon it when like, oh, dude, uh, I've been geeking out about this quote, but the nugget of the day is like, the flood is coming. Make sure you're prepared. And like, it, it's coming. The chaos is coming. The val- like the valleys are coming. Like, it, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but oh, it's true. you need to be prepared for it. Like, stuff is coming into your life. That flood is coming. Are you going to have that arc built? built or are you going to wash away and drown with everything you know like that fires me up because i literally today just listened to one of george peterson's lectures on the flood and noah and the flood that's mm-hmm. i think that's very it's like divine intervention that that quotes up there on the wall today that's uh and like if you think about two of the people that you know and how if you're not going through something that's just awful and tragic and it sucks there's a great chance that someone you love is there's someone close to you that is and then if no one is like if you're the small minority you just wait a little bit and it's it, it, it's happening happen. yeah. <laughs> that that was one of like i feel like i i we've talked about it before but i'm a huge optimist mm-hmm. yeah. and like i i never see the negative in things and this is a that's why it's weird for me to like have that quote but it was super powerful and we realized like it's coming it's just are you prepared for it? And is it going to absolutely destroy you when it comes? You know, mm-hmm. it's just because I'm an optimist and I see a lot of good things in the world. It doesn't mean that the bad things aren't there, you know, and if you just ignore them and you don't attack them and you don't prepare for them, exactly. it, it's going to crush you and it's going to take you off that mountaintop real quick. Yeah. That's why I love it. Like everybody listening, your flood is coming. It's either hit or it's coming and you need to be prepared for it. Like not being prepared for it is going to be ca- catastrophic and it's what's going to affect your life. Yeah, well. So, so symbolic, so aggressive, but it's so real. It's so true. Yeah. Back to the book. And now we're into our third dimension, the mental side. Education, continuing edu- education, continually honing and expanding the mind is vital mental renewal. Sometimes that involves the external discipline of the classroom or systematic study programs, but more often than not, it does not. Proactive people can figure out many, many ways to educate themselves. And this, I think, is is kind of funny because this book's pretty old, but it's where every everything educational-wise is going now. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we can talk about real life, but this is something that you can learn so much off the internet now, like podcasts out there. Uh, it's just podcast videos. Like, There's so much content out there by people that are the greatest in their realm. Uh, you just watch and listen, and you can learn so much without ever getting a college degree, ever doing any it's of that. Like you have no excuse not to learn. You have no excuse. I pretty much retaught myself the guitar. Yeah. Like, totally off free videos online. Like you have no excuse to not learn. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really unbelievable. Like we're so lucky. Like we're, I was praying today and I was sitting there and I try to do five minutes every day of things I'm really thankful for. And today I was like the internet. I'm so insanely thankful for the internet. Like what a time to live where I can... Go, to, like you just said, go online and look up and take advantage of the greatest in the world at what they do and get it for free. I can do it, you know? And then all the time. This is the thing that, like, we both have college degrees. Yeah. And how much have we learned and used in our life that is not from a college degree? I mean, pretty much everything. Everything. All my coaching, all of that, all of my programming, nothing comes from that college degree, you know? Like, right. there's so many ways to learn. 
and you boxing yourself in and saying this is the only way to do it is very I feel like closed-minded and it's not the path it's not the way to become no. best mentally like your best mental growth that you could have it's a great way to become broke though <laughs> it is <laughs> so two of his best ways that he talks about is reading and writing it's, it's pretty clear but one of his quotes here that I like is the person who doesn't read is no better off than the person who can't read and I think this goes back to like basically wasting your talent and you have the ability to read use it like it does you no good just because you know how to read if you're not reading like yeah. you're not using that ability yeah and it's one of the best best ways to read, or best ways to learn. I mean, we're reading this book right now, and this yeah. book totally changed my life. And like Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life, you know, like reading these things is so powerful. Yeah, and you just got to do it. Shakes your soul. It does. Yeah. Um, leaders read, and readers lead. Mm. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I can't take credit for it. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that. And then he goes into writing. Writing is another powerful way to sharpen the mental saw. Keeping a journal of our thoughts, experiences, insights, and learning promote mental clarity, exactness, and context. Writing good letters, communication, communicating on the deeper level of thoughts, feelings, and ideas rather than on the shallow, superficial level of events also affects our ability to think clearly, to reason accurately, and to be understood effectively. And I think this is very powerful. I'm big into writing. I love writing blogs, and I, like, I love writing a ton of things more so for myself, honestly, like selfishly. I love being able to get my thoughts out. And I think it's a really good way for myself to communicate what I'm thinking because I'm actually yeah. able to lay it out and write it. And I think it's something that a lot of people can benefit from if they do more of it. Yeah, no, I agreed. Um, I would like to be doing more of it because I think what I find when I write, just like what you said, is I'm able to clarify my thoughts because I have a million trillion thoughts running around in my head all the time. And um, and then when I write them out, I realize that makes absolutely no sense at all. Yeah, I like how you said because that's what I was going with that next is you think you have this almost like smart idea or genius idea or some big step and you yeah. start writing and you're like, well, that was a sentence. That was a good sentence. Now, like, where do we take this? And that was, he talks about how it grows your mental ability because it makes you think about what's the next step to this. It's one of the biggest things. I'm a geek about writing. Like, I'm 100% writing a book before I die because I freaking love writing. And... It's because of that challenge is like you have this idea. How can you make it? It's almost like art. Like I can't draw anything or do any of that. Like it's terrible. It's like I can never have that artistic side. But to me, it's the art of how can you get the idea in your head on the paper? And then how can you develop the idea on the paper into something that's a page or a book or a mm -hmm. blog or something like that? Something that communicates. Something exactly that communicates. What you're trying to say. Exactly what you're trying to say and something of value. Mm -hmm. If exactly, exactly what you're trying to say doesn't have any value, then... What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Read. A, you want to write a book, huh? Yeah, it's, it's one of my one of my big life goals. It's gonna happen. I'm. I, I love writing. Timeline on that. Ten years. It's a ten year goal. Mm -hmm. Writing one. You heard it here first. It is said that wars are won in the general's tent. Sharpening the saw in the first three dimensions: the physical, the spiritual, and the mental is a practice I call daily private victories. And I commend you to the simple practice of spending one hour a day, every day, doing it. One hour a day for the rest of your life. There's no other, no other way around it. There's no other way you could spend an hour that would begin to compare the daily private victories in terms of value and results. It will affect every decision, every relationship you ever have. And this is the whole gist of this chapter in one like sentence is taking that time to do it. Right. And he talks about one hour a day of just... It's, it's all that consistent block over and over and over again rather than trying to like four hours a day or four hours for one day, do one hour every single day. You've got so many hours in your day. Everybody has the same amount of time. Commit to that one hour, continual progress. One, one of my goals for the summer is to read something strength conditioning wise every 10 minutes or 10 minutes a day. And it seems small, but I've covered a, a ton of things strength conditioning wise because Every single day I commit to reading it. And if I had said every day I need to read an hour of that, I probably would have did it like every two or three days, you know? And that doesn't add up as much as what these 10 minutes have added up to and the stuff I'm able to take away from this. No doubt about it. That's hilarious. That's your goal. My goal is to practice 20 minutes of guitar every day. Mm -hmm. It's 20 minutes. And that consistency. Yeah, exactly. It's consistency. Although oftentimes I find myself practicing for 20 minutes and then it's just kind of... 
But that, well, that's the other thing that that's a good point that you brought that up is the 10 minutes almost always turns into something so much bigger. Exactly. It's that 10 minute goal that gets you started though. Exactly. If you yeah. set that hour goal, you're going to dread it almost a little bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you're not going to do it. And you're not going to do it. Whereas I, I love that point is because yeah. it's, it's so true. You get the 10 minutes and then it's something that you're passionate about and you're geeking out about. Right. And then you're in a rabbit hole of like yeah. cognitive reactive abilities and I, I was reading today i was like holy shit i'm in a rabbit hole like i need to dig my way out of this so I mean, it was just like an hour straight of just digging deep into this stuff and i love that point is it's so true yeah. it, it goes back to that momentum is once you start right. it's so much easier yeah. it's, the, it's that start that you need to do yeah dude i read about uh high fat diets for athletes what'd you get out of it not good for strength athletes. No. Not good for uh, explosive athletes. Great for long distance endurance athletes. Fat's much more efficient uh, fuel source to burn. I found that quite interesting. I would have thought it would have been the exact opposite, but I don't know. Interesting. Back to the book, and we're into our final dimension, the social and emotional dimension. And here, his first quote is just how he ties these both, how and why he ties these both together. The social and emotional dimensions of our lives are tied together because our emotional life is primarily, but not exclusively, developed out of and manifested in our relationships with others. And I think this talks about just how important our relationships with others is, you know, like, and how it affects your mood and how it affects what you're feeling like all day. No, no flipping doubt about it. Excited to have J-Rob back. J-Rob, excited to have you back, man. Back to the book, and this is where we start. We're, we're heating up a little bit. We're starting to get close to the absolute gas that this guy drops. <laughs> Intrinsic security. And what he's talking about here is this is big when you're communicating with somebody that you don't have the same viewpoints as, you don't have the same background as, you guys see the world in different lenses. That person sees the old woman, you see the young woman. How are you guys going to be able to communicate? Because you have to. You can't just communicate with people that are the same people as you or you're never going to grow. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about you need to have intrinsic security to do this because otherwise all you're going to do is fight with that person and push your own beliefs. You're never going to have that intrinsic security to know like what you see is right and what he sees is right. You know, like it's not just cut off your way or the highway because you're insecure and you're not really sure if your way is the right way. So you're, you're nervous. So building this up. Where does intrinsic security come from? It doesn't come from what other people think of us or how they treat us. It doesn't come from the scripts they've handed us. It doesn't come from our own circumstances or our position. It comes from within. It comes from with the accurate and correct principles deep in our own mind and heart. It comes from the inside out thought process, from living a life of integrity in which our daily habits reflect our deepest values. I believe that a life of integrity is the most fundamental source of personal worth. I do not agree with the popular successful literature that says that self-esteem is primarily a matter of mindset, of Mm -hmm. attitude. That you can psych yourself up into a peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Peace of mind comes when your life is in harmony with true principles and values and in no other way. Dude, this book's killer. Yeah. This is is rocket science right here. This is exactly what everyone, including myself, needs to hear. Well, and it's what everybody's... Everybody that's successful in preaching this stuff is saying the same thing. Same thing. You know when you're on the path. Exactly. And there's only one way to be on the path. of Living your life the correct way and pushing forward and going forward on that path. And you know if you're on it or not. Exactly. Everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Are you going forward on that path? Mm -hmm. And if you're not going forward, you have to reevaluate and figure out why. Yeah. And go ahead. Go write that list. Like, what am I doing that I should stop doing that's going to make my life a lot better? Where's that unfulfillment that you feel? Where's that hole that you feel? Where's that unpeace of mind coming from? Yeah. You know, because if you have it, that means you're not on the path in some part of your life. Yeah. Because otherwise you have that peace of mind. You know you're going forward in the right, right. direction. Yeah, dude. I, I just, just to bring it up again, I know we've touched on this before, but like confidence is not a mindset. Like it's not something you just tell yourself. Confidence is, confidence is, is, is discipline. Um, it's discipline in the small actions in all facets of your life. Like that's where you gain confidence. Like it's yeah, I mean it's, it's hard and skill. Again, it's it's, it's you know. Yeah. I mean the people right. that are confident, and truly confident in what they do, and truly confident in who they are, it's because they know it's right. They know right. they've done it. They know what it leads to, and right. they know how they got there. Right. Like it, a guy like Michael Jordan, like the guy, the most confident athlete maybe to ever live. It's like, well, why? Well, because 
he trained harder than every single person ever. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what's going to get you your confidence. Yeah. Back to the book. Service is the rent we pay for the privilege of living on this earth. And there are so many ways to serve. Whether or not we belong to a church or service organization or have a job that provides meaningful service opportunities, not a day goes by that we can't affect at least one other human by making it a deposit of unconditional love. And this is his other way of really fixing that, that feeling inside is you need to have the intrinsic security and you need to give back to other people. It's a twofold thing. Fix yourself, help others, fix yourself, help others, fix yourself, help others. And it always comes back to those two things really in life and mm-hmm. solving that fulfillment in yourself. Yeah, I really like that. Fix yourself and help others. That's what life's about. It's very true. And we're getting closer to the fire. And this is one of my favorite parts of the book is he talks about now um, everybody's a social mirror and we script each other when you hang out with other people. And I think it goes back to the point of you are the five people that you hang around with the most, you know, like you are that person. I think it's because of this whole point of you script that person. Like you, you script each other you are becoming who you hang out with they're helping you or they're dragging you down they're either being that crab that's pulling you back into the bucket or they're helping you out in life so what he says here is at some point in your life you probably had someone believe in you when you didn't believe in yourself they scripted you did that make a difference in your life now what if you were a positive scripter an affirmer of other people when they're being directed by the social mirror to take the lower path you inspire them towards a higher path because you believe in them You listen to them and you emphasize with them. You don't absolve them of responsibility. You encourage them to be proactive. And this is something I'm super passionate about as a coach, especially is you need to be a person's light bringer. You know, like you need to be able to show them the path and who they can become. Mm -hmm. You can't do it for them. You can't make that action for them. You can't pick them up and put them on that path. Your job as a coach is to be that light bringer to them. Your job as a person in life is to be a light bringer to other people. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people with themselves and I think it goes back to Jordan Peterson's rule of like people don't take care of themselves like they take care of like their sick dog, you know, like they don't see it within themselves. They don't see these things within themselves. They see it in other people. So being somebody's light bringer and showing them like this is who they can become. Every single person has potential and being able to see that potential. The first time I saw it was when Coach Herm like told me I I really didn't see it in myself. And Coach Herm told me like this is who you can become. And I was like. I didn't really believe it, but I was like, all right, he sees something. And eventually him seeing something, I was able to see something in myself. And it was so powerful. It was like a two-second text. But it's you have that power on other people. Mm-hmm. You have that power to show other people the path. Yeah. It's your responsibility to do it. Yeah, it, it is. Like you owe it to the world. It's something that I feel like I definitely had got from my high school coach as well. Like it, I mean, it changed my life too, you know. You, you really don't know like that that effect it, it can have on other people mm-hmm. like, you don't you don't really can't even really comprehend that like if you can see the best in someone when they can't even see it in themselves like you um i mean that's like that's what it's all about yeah and it's like you said you a lot of times won't see that right away you probably don't know what it means to that person but it's also why you need to focus on small things the small things in quotation marks mm-hmm. is Everything you do affects other people and how they live their life and what they do. You not pushing your chair is going to affect that person and not pushing their chair. It's going to bring them that social norm down. It's going to lead that world closer to hell. So that's why you need to be on top of all these things because every single person in your life is watching you. Mm -hmm. You're not affecting yourself. You're affecting other people. Don't do it for yourself. Like other people are seeing this. Other people are being affected by this. How are you living your life and how are you scripting others? Right. How are you going to script others? That's an absolute choice you have to make. Yeah. And it's, it's again, goes back to the open quote of nothing is too small. Mm-hmm. Back to the book. And just so everybody knows, my, my notes here, all I wrote is fire, quotation mark, quotation mark, quotation mark. What do we reflect to others about themselves? And how much does that reflection influence their lives? We have so much we can invest in the emotional bank accounts of other people. The more we can see people in terms of their unseen potential, the more we can use our imagination rather than our memory. I want to say that again. 
The more we can see people in terms of their unseen potential, the more we can use our imagination rather than our memory with our spouse, our children, our coworkers, our employees. We can refuse to label them. We can see them in a new fresh light each time we're with them. We can help them become independent, fulfilled people, capable of deeply satisfying, enriching, and productive relationships with others. Treat a man as he is, and he remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. And I think that's probably my favorite part of this entire book, is you have that responsibility. You, whether you like it or not, like, you have that responsibility to do this for other people, and it greatly affects other people's lives. Now you have to do it. Mm-hmm. I love how he makes the distinction of... Um don't treat people by their your memory and treat people by their unseen potential their uh, their their true value and this this is i mean this dude, is, that's one of the most powerful things in somebody's life is and it's, as a coach it's something my i think this is probably my biggest skill set as a coach um don't have all the years in the trenches yet i'm not a 30 year like head coach that's everything one of the biggest things is I see potential in everybody. It goes back to the optimism. And a lot of times it's not a great thing because there's people out there that they don't want to see that potential and are not really pushing to become the ready version of themselves. But I can see that potential in them. And it's super powerful when I see a kid that has never been told that potential, yeah. has never been shown that potential within them. And you can totally change it. Like talking with a lot of coaches, they, they say like, this guy's lazy, this guy's lazy, that, 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 that. It's like, well, no shit. If you script them as being a lazy person, they're going to become a lazy person. How about you dig a little bit deeper in their story and who they are Mm -hmm. and why they're acting out as that. And being able to see the transformation of a person is very powerful to me. And it's also very painful to me is like that person has gotten, now they're 18 to 22 years old and nobody in their life has ever took the time to really realize and show them who they can become. Mm -hmm. And of course they're not going to do it then. Like they're, they're still kids, you know, and we're still kids. Like, you need a direction, you need a path, you need something to aim for. One of the, I mean, dude, I geeked out about this quote, is like, aim continually at heaven while working diligently on earth. And Peterson talks about, if you don't have that aim at heaven, it doesn't matter how hard you work on earth. Like, if nobody gives you that, shows you what you should aim at, nobody tells you what you should aim at, that ultimate goal, like, you're just going to be walking in a circle. Mm-hmm. And it drives me nuts when these coaches rip on players when... It's, it's their fault. They never showed that kid the potential that they could become. Right. I think an unreal example of it, a guy who I've seen when he started working with you, Mike Franzisi, like, I mean, Mike was in here about an hour ago working with all the college football players, working out. Like, when Mike was a freshman, like, he, he was scripted as lazy. Like, mm-hmm. the coaches didn't like him. Like they thought he was lazy, you know. Um and then for two years at the same time, it's like, I think that was his, that was what he was scripted as. But like, I mean, he, he's not lazy. <laughs> That's for sure. It's certainly not anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever really was, but you've been able to like tap into him and show him, be the mirror and show him what he could become. And I mean, he's crushing it. Like he's not even playing football anymore. And he's in here running an hour and a half, two hour workout with former teammates and crushing the workout and still being the same like goofy kid with the same dumb smile and. You know, like yeah, and that that's one an of, awesome example. One of the best examples I got this weekend is there's a kid last year that worked with me. One he started working with me like two days before camp started, and he told me this is his first time working out all summer. And to me, so this kid went all summer without working out and wanted a two day workout before camp started, and then he went into camp. Jeez. Uh, so this this is a kid that isn't doesn't have a passion for the weight room, doesn't really have that pathway. And working with him the past year, over the 4th of July, I got a text message from him. He was back home, and he's like, hey, can you send me the workouts? Like, I really want to do them. Like, I'll have the, I just, he sent me all the pictures of the weight room and that type of thing. And to me, that was super cool. As like, this kid has went from never working out to I gave him a week off, and he wanted something to do. You know, I thought that was super cool as this kid is, it's, it's not it's not who they are. Like these kids want to work. They want exactly. to become better. Every single person wants to become better yeah, in some way. You just got to find a way to connect with them and show them that. 
and it's your job as a coach, it's yeah. your job as a person, it's your, your job as an employer to bring other people up with you. Dude, that's like Jocko saying, extreme ownership. Like, figure out what motivates people, because something motivates everyone. Something, like, yeah. Every, not People aren't out there to just be malevolent pieces of shit and take, take, take. Mm-hmm. 90% of people. 99, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's a dope story, because I know exactly who you're talking about, and that's sick. <laughs> Back to the book. I found organizations whose only uh, thrust is economic, to make money. They usually don't publicize that purpose. They sometimes even publicize something else. But in their hearts, their only desire is to make money. Whenever I find this, I also find a great deal of negative synergy in the culture, generating such things as interdepartmental rivalries, defensive and protective communication, politicking, and masterminding. We can't effectively thrive without making money, but that's not sufficient enough reason for organizational existence. We can't live without eating, but we don't live to eat. Uh, one of the points I think this goes back to is like, what is your why? You know, like you have that feel source. Money is always going to drive what you are as a business because you need it. You need it as a feel source. You need it to keep you alive. But what is your why? And why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. I, I, this is one of my favorite quotes. Again, this chapter is awesome. We can't live without eating, but we don't live to eat because it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like that's just one part of it, but it's not who you are. It's not why you do this. Yeah. And it's something I urge like everybody listening is like, why do you do what you do? Right. As a business owner, why do you do what you do? Right. Like that's going to be the ship that carries you through the storm. Like that's going to be what's going to barrier you against the flood is that why. And you need it. You need it. Otherwise you're done. Back to the book. The things you do to sharpen the saw in any one dimension have positive impacts in other dimensions because they are so highly interrelated. Your physical health affects your mental health. Your spiritual strength affects your social and emotional strength. As you improve in one dimension, you increase your ability in other in another dimension as well. Mm. And this is I, it's, it's pretty obvious to somebody that has started making some momentum in their life. They realize if they start working out, everything else is positively affected. If they start making their bed, everything else in their life is positively affected. Just taking a small step affects all aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to attack those other aspects as well. And it all comes together in the end. For sure. Yeah. Um, exactly. We will. Each one enhances the other. All right. You ready for the final quote of this book? That's crazy. Yeah. Let's do it. Last quote of this book. You cannot play with the animal in you without wholly becoming the animal. Play with the falsehood without forfeiting your right to truth. You cannot play with cruelty without losing your sensitivity of mind. He who wants to keep his garden tidy doesn't reserve a plot for weeds. People who exist on that level aren't thriving. They are being lived. They are reacting, unaware of the unique endowments that lie dormant and undeveloped within. And there's no shortcut to developing these habits. The law of the harvest governs we always reap what we sow. No more, no less. Awesome. This is an awesome way to end the book. Yeah. Over the weekend, I was at 4th of July party. Never been up to Minnesota on the 4th of July. And we went on Saturday to the Lake Minnetonka, that big island. Mm-hmm. And when we read this quote in the pre-meeting, this quote just reminded me of the people who were like hanging out there in Big Island. It's like, there's just nothing, they were going from next pleasure to the next pleasure to the next pleasure. There was no meaning, there was nothing that was like really carrying them, at least that I could see. Now I understand I'm probably being a little judgmental, but it just seemed like that that was the lifestyle people were choosing to live. And that was just, what is going to carry you through the storm? Like, you know, what's... What's the purpose? What's the why? It's so empty, such an empty way to live. And it just made me really thankful for for my mom and my dad and for the friends that I have and coaches that I've had in my life. Yeah, and what well, I mean, going back to the quote is you can't allow small things into your life and expect the big things to happen. Yeah. Uh, this is where you start not making that bed. This is where you start letting that negativity in your life. This is where you start letting those small things in and it goes back to like they all snowball. If you let those weeds in, it's going to grow. It's going to multiply. Mm-hmm. And uh, it goes back to Jordan Peterson saying of facing that dragon when it's small, mm-hmm. not letting it grow into something bigger. Like 
if you want to be great, if you want to be the best version of yourself, you don't do small things that don't allow you to become that best version of yourself. Right. You got to attack the weeds. You got to clean your garden. And then we go forward. At the root. At the root. Rip them out. So that's the end of the seven habits of highly effective people. Dude, good work. Good work. We crushed that. I'm even way more excited for the next book. 12 Rules for Life? Yeah. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. That was great. That was great, though. Um, okay. So. Highlights of the week. Sure. We got like two weeks of highlights. Two weeks of highlights. Okay. Lots of highlights. Yeah. Man, too many to count. Yeah. We crushed. The the beef crushed this weekend. Yeah, crushed. Went to a lot a lot of different things. Got trampled by turtles. They were amazing. They yeah. I mean they just rocked our socks, dude. They just where uh, where was the concert? Uh in Duluth. Was it like right on the river? Outside? Yeah, right by the river, dude. That's like so boats cool. are floating by and everything. Uh it was it was super cool. Um one of the coolest parts is there was a there's a disabled girl that was one of their openers. And she shredded. She melted people's faces off. On a guitar? Uh, little violin. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She crushed people. It was, it was ridiculous. She had no arms. All right, no legs. Uh, and she was talking about that she had some learning disability. And she was in a wheelchair. And a lot of her, like, messages was about basically, like, people treating disabled people. Like, disabled people have talents. And, like, you need to see that and allow that. But oh, yeah. And then she got up there. And it was no, like publicity act to have her up there like she melted our faces it was one of the coolest like performances i've ever seen everybody's hyped about it that's awesome but that that was an awesome part of the weekend that's probably the highlight that's probably your highlight yeah Dude, that's awesome because they're from duluth right yes yep yeah so that's they must just put on a show for their hometown yeah they rock um i mean they just get out there and they just break their violins by shredding yeah it, it's pretty nuts <laughs> that's so cool yeah um what else did you do this weekend uh, we went tubing that was a ton of fun. Fourth. Uh, the four, on the fourth, yeah. We just saw fireworks. Went quarry diving. That was a ton of fun. Yeah. That was, got to see your stopping grounds on that day. Yep. That was cool. Yeah, got to show Greg a little bit of the of the hometown. Yeah. Uh, a little small. Uh, he didn't. He got to see the city part. He never went into the boonies. No yet. Vals. We'll, we'll bring him. Yeah, Vals was closed, so that was that was brutal. We went, hit up some Bodilis, which is the other famous restaurant there. So, so dang. We did some of that training-wise. Uh, we're training with Marcus over here. We're crushing that. We got weekly vlogs going up with that. It's been awesome. It's been a ton of fun of having a community again and just lifting with people rather than the past four years of by myself. So it's been really fun of connecting with people again and doing that. Good. Solid. Um, what about me? A huge week for me. I had a PR on the front squat and a PR on the deadlift by a lot um, in both lifts. So that's awesome. Um, that's good with training. So starting up a new cycle here, trying to fix my legs, trying to get my right leg to be as strong as my left and heal up my left leg. That's my next training goals. And then it's about taking that one step back to go two steps forward, you know, mm -hmm. like we talked about today. It's not something I want to do. I want to keep training, training really hard, but I got to do it properly. Um, and then, I mean, same thing. Fourth of July weekend was unbelievable. Um, Bocello the weekend before was also unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like just the summer's flying by and it's just been really fun weekend after the other. And been just really thankful, trying to enjoy it and soak it all up. And just something like I want to like talk to like the guests about is you need to surround yourself with people that right. like want to make the world a better place. Uh, I don't want to sound like cocky a little bit but like our friend group like walks in and you can really tell the energy like changes right. energy changes and it's just a bunch of people that are trying to basically live almost their best life yeah and like fulfill who they are becoming and right. i think a lot of people like they can feel that right and just the connections you're we're able to make just like with these random people that like they're like holy crap like this group of like <laughs> like this weekend we had like 21 people <laughs> there i was just walking in and changing the total like culture and environment of the place yeah. just by walking in and like communicating with people yeah right. i just it's something i i want the listeners like realize like if you surround yourself with the right people you surround yourself with people that are trying to become the best version of themselves you you know when you're there yeah. you know when you're feeling that and you know when you're with the right people and it's makes life a lot better it really does yeah and you won't do dumb things either mm. yeah you'll still have a good time um yeah so it was good and then, man, I don't know. Anything else? Yeah, that's it. 
um, sponsorships. Make sure to check out Ghost Fit for all your clothing needs and make sure to check out Resistance Band Training. There's a link on the Open Strength website for resistancebandtraining.com where you can get bands. Um, they're much more affordable than Rogue or Elite FTS or any of the other major fitness competitors out there. So please be sure to check out RBT. Um, now, is there a link to Ghost Fit on the Yoko Strength profile? Um, we got all of our Ghost Fit stuff in person. So just reaching out to sure. us and we got all of our inventory here. We're still working with Josh. Josh is just opening up a lot of new things with his business, but we're working together to try and get all that stuff online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we have, what other major announcements do we have? Obviously, we'll stick with the programming. Um, make sure to buy a program, follow on Instagram, follow the blog posts um, that Austin's been putting out. Each one has been really good. I mean, your writing keeps improving and it's fun to read and it's really cool to see the growth from blogs one, two, to three, to four. Um, so check out the website, yokumstrength.com. Follow Austin on Instagram at Austin Yoakum. You can inquire about buying a programming there. And like I've pitched on the programming time and time again, it's customized by a professional, one-on-one um, -on -one consultation, nutrition advising. Can't write your nutrition program because of the way the laws work. But either way, you don't need a program. All you need is guidance because um, following something step-by-step-by-step by step by step is going to make you go crazy. All you need is some little, just a little guidance, and Yoakum can provide that for you. Um, and then Yoakum's exercise index is one of the biggest is the biggest I've ever seen. How many exercises do you have? <laughs> we got 420 now. Oh <laughs> yeah, we added a bunch this weekend. It's psychotic. It's awesome. Um, 420 exercises, all to show, showing how to do. There's really no excuse. So please look into buying a program, change your life, be better than you were yesterday, and be disciplined in the small things. And yeah. am I missing anything? No. Thank you for listening. Keep chopping wood.